You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. What's up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, founder of the NBADraftJunkies.com website and also the NBA Draft Junkies YouTube channel. I'm recording this live in Los Angeles, California. And when I was younger, there was this song by Tony, Tony, Tony called It Doesn't Rain in Southern California. I found that out to be a lie. It has been raining pretty much off and on all day. I live in the Dallas area. I'm here for work. When I'm done working in my downtime, I like to go hiking. I like to go ride a bike or or rent a bike and ride it up and down Santa Monica throughout the beach cities. And today, I I couldn't do anything. I just had to sit in my room and take a nap and listen to the rain. But I'm not going to let it put a damper on my mood because I know this may sound corny, but I'm excited about this 2021 NBA draft class. I know we are months away from the actual NBA draft. And in today's episode, I want to break down or cover or discuss my top 10 wing prospects for this draft class. Now, if you missed the last episode, I had a good friend of mine, Tyrone Ellis, who is a veteran G League coach who was actually in Orlando at the bubble. He came on the podcast and he gave me his thoughts on the players on the G League Ignite team, most notably Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga. And what I love about having Ty on the show is that he brings a coach's perspective, which is a lot different from a scout's perspective. So if you missed it, go on to the Locked On podcast and it is on Monday's episode. But the first player that I want to talk about is Jalen Green. Jalen Green was, I guess you can say, the face of this G League Ignite team. He was impressive. He had, in my opinion, the most pressure on him. And I felt like he did everything that he needed to do to maintain his draft stock and basically maintain the reputation that he had coming into the Gubble or the G League bubble, whatever you decide to call it. He averaged 17.9 points per game, shot an efficient 46% from the floor, a respectable 36.5% from three on 5.7 attempts. Also shot around 83% from the foul line, four rebounds, 2.8 assists, about 2.7 turnovers. You like to see the assist to turnover ratio a little higher, but he definitely solidified himself as a professional scorer. The G League, in my opinion, the ultimate test for him, and I think he passed it with flying colors. I was high on him. I mentioned in previous episodes that I had a chance to watch him play live. I saw him in high school. I saw him at the under-19s in Greece. And the questions or concerns I had about his game I think he definitely answered the majority of them. I wanted to see how he played in a role where he wasn't as ball dominant. And and you can say that the team was somewhat built around him and then he was still allowed to to play and have a high usage. But 
I thought that he looked really good playing with better teammates and playing with guys that are just as talented. Well, maybe I should change that. There's not too many guys on the court that are more talented or just as talented as Jalen Green. But I thought overall he did a good job of playing in a team setting. The Ignite team was better than I thought. I mean, I I had a lot of concerns about them record-wise. And they made the playoffs. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. But... I, I didn't know how they would compete. I thought the G League did an excellent job of surrounding the team with veterans. But as far as Jalen Green, I thought he was able to showcase his ridiculous God-given talent that he was blessed with. I mean, the athleticism, the quickness, the speed, the shot making. And at this point in his career, I feel like he's more of a bucket getter than a shooter. But I believe that he has all the tools to be able to score the ball on three levels in today's NBA. Now, this is kind of off the subject a little bit, but the players in today's NBA are so skilled that you have guys like Steph Curry and Dame Lillard who have added another level and their ridiculous range literally extends the floor. So you have now guys that are four level scorers. I think Jalen Green could possibly get to that point. But for now, I mean, you know, you got to crawl before you before you walk. But I think right now at this point, he definitely has everything that it takes to become a a high level three level scorer in today's NBA. He's a crafty finisher. And what I love most about Jalen Green is his offensive creativity. I love guys that at the end of the shot clock that can just get you a bucket and I feel like there's such an emphasis on 3 and D players which is all good but a lot of the 3 and D wings lack offensive creativity I don't know if it's because so many players are working with trainers as opposed to playing like 21 or playing pickup basketball so you see a lot of guys that just don't have the creativity to be able to get their shot at any given time now I know it's you know, there's only the special players that can do it. And Jalen Green is, in my opinion, one of these special guys that will be able to be a shot maker or creator at the end of the shot clock or late in games and be able to get his team buckets because that's what he does. But even though he showed me that he's a capable passer, he'll need to improve as a playmaker to fully unlock his scoring and in today's NBA, like I feel like the guys that are the best scorers in the NBA from your Luka Doncic to LeBron James to James Harden can make plays for others, Steph Curry. And so right now, Green has shown flashes of being able to do it. But I think that's the biggest improvement for him is to become a better playmaker and a better passer because defenses are going to be so focused on him because he's such a gifted scorer that if he can't make plays for others, then he becomes like one of these guys that just puts up empty stats. So I believe that the the next step for Jalen Green is to just improve as a passer. But he's only 19, so he has you know quite a ways to go in his development. But man, this kid's upside is crazy. In just a moment, I give you my thoughts on Green's teammate, Jonathan Kaminga, who also had a strong showing for the G League Ignite team. My vote for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Gonzaga freshman sensation, Jalen Suggs. Gonzaga has been breezing through the college basketball season and entered Tuesday night's game 25-0 and their number one ranked team in the nation. 
At halftime, they were down to BYU by their largest deficit in three years. With the undefeated season and the conference championship on the line, the Zags needed Jalen Suggs, a projected top five pick, to carry them to the finish line. Suggs took over late, scoring six of his 23 points down the stretch, and the last three was the dagger that extended a six-point lead to nine with 128 left. So now I want to ask you, the listener, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Michelob Ultra is only 2.5 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and the enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. There's only one place that has you covered, and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Promo code locked on. Betting on college basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the brand new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. The 2021 draft class is considered one of the strongest classes in recent memory, and it's largely related to the talent at the top of the draft. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kaminga are widely considered shoe-ins to be top five picks. Now, if Jalen Green isn't your number one wing on your draft board, then it's probably Kaminga. Well, it should be. Well, without a doubt, it should be because I believe that, like I said, these top five picks are pretty much locks now it gets a little tricky starting with the sixth pick and between now and and draft day I I think it's just going to be interesting to see how how it plays out over the next four months as debates between who was the top prospect on the G League Ignite team will pretty sure be heavily discussed on social media but overall Jonathan Kaminga I thought that he he Made a good name for himself. He got off to a good start in the bubble. He scored 19 points in his first game, 24 in his second, had 23 in his third. He finished averaging 15.8 points per game, 7.2 rebounds. I don't think a lot of NBA scouts had seen him up close prior to Orlando. I know for me personally, I had only seen him on film. I was hoping to see him last year at Basketball Without Borders in Chicago, I don't remember exactly why he missed the event, but if I'm not mistaken, it was some type of schedule conflict with his school. But after his showing, I'm sure scouts had they had to have been impressed with what they saw. I know I was. 
especially when you consider the fact that he's only 18 years old and he more than held his own against older, stronger, more mature players. He's an exceptional athlete, explosive, quick first step, fluid, has vertical pop, he's quick off the floor, and he covers a lot of ground in transition. What I like is that he's got some dog and some toughness in him. And it just showed how he played. He was confident, aggressive, averaged nearly four free throw attempts per game. He was a better ball handler than I expected. I thought that he showed good touch around the rim. I was actually impressed with his passing. I feel like he was a better passer than advertised. He showed some good passing instincts and some promising court vision. Now, he definitely cooled off after the hot start. His shooting splits weren't exactly the model of efficiency as he only shot 38% from the floor, 24.6% from three on five attempts per game, and only 62.5% from the foul line. Improving as a shooter is definitely going to be his swing skill or the key to his success. Overall, he shot 26% on jump shots, same percentage, 26% on catch and shoot opportunities. Only made two out of 15 jumpers inside of 17 feet. But despite that, I like how he remained confident and he just kept firing away. He's somewhat of a fearless gunner, but I actually liked it. Me personally, I'd rather have a fearless gunner than a player who lacks confidence and refuses to shoot. But that's just me. I mean... You can make a case and say you'd rather have a guy who understands his weaknesses and takes smart shots. So it's just a matter of opinion. After Green and Kaminga, this is where it gets a little tricky. I think there's quite a few wings that are that, that should be in consideration for the lottery. And the first player I want to discuss in like this second tier of players is Moses Moody from Arkansas. I did a video on my YouTube channel a few weeks back. And in my opinion, Moody has solidified himself as a surefire first-round pick. He's still only 18 years old. He has good positional size at 6'7", 205. He's leading a 21-5 Arkansas team that is currently on an eight-game winning streak in scoring. If you know his background, he went to Mount Verde Academy, and the kid is a winner. On paper, he's averaging 17.5 points per game, nearly six rebounds, two assists, and a steal per game. For the season, he's shooting 38% from deep. And like I mentioned, he's a winner, and he plays this winning style of basketball. I feel like he has a good mix of skills and intangibles. One of my favorite aspects of his game is his rebounding. He looks to attack the offensive glass, and... He likes to score on offensive rebound putback. So you have this wing 3 and D shooter that likes to do the dirty work and, and score like this hustle role player. And like I said, it's a unique blend of outside shooting, high motor. And I think he's a very underrated passer. At worst, he's a ball mover. Best case scenario, he's a guy that can be a secondary playmaker that can make things happen out of pick and roll. But he'll need to tighten up his handle and just kind of improve as a ball handler in order to reach that ceiling. Now, he's not an elite quick twitch athlete, which may turn some scouts off, but I think teams are starting to value IQ and skill over raw athleticism, but we'll see. 
But again, in my opinion, I think Moses Moody is a lottery pick. He could go as high as number six. I, that wouldn't shock me at all. I think that he could be like the Patrick Williams of this year's draft where you start to see his name climb up the charts as we get closer to draft day. The next player I would like to discuss is James Booknight from UConn, who is more than likely the first non-freshman out of the college entrance to be selected. He's 6'5", 190, out of Brooklyn, who was off to a great start to a sophomore year before he missed a little over a month with an elbow injury that required surgery. Probably a week, or give or take a few days, before his injury, he put on an absolute scoring clinic against my hometown Creighton Blue Jays. Outside of the 40-ball K dropped on Oklahoma, I'd say Book Knight's 40-point game against Creighton is one of the top performances of the season. He was 13 of 24 from the floor, also knocked down 5 out of 12 threes, and made 9 out of 12 free throws. So it was literally like a scoring clinic. How do you want it? Come get these buckets. And it showcased all the tools in his, his toolbox. Freaky athlete, quick first step. Definitely has some of that New York City playground flair in his game, especially off the dribble. He can get his own shot isolation, has a nice step back that he can get to, simply because the defenders have to respect his first step and his drives to the rim. He's similar to Jalen Green in the sense that he's more of a bucket getter than a shooter. He's a little streaky, but he can definitely get hot, and when he's hot, he can he can put up numbers in bunches. Since he came back from the injury, he scored 20 or more in four of the six games. Overall, he's putting up about 20 points, five and a half boards, 1.6 assists on 47-34-80 splits. As I mentioned, like he's he's kind of light, 190 pounds, but he's a very good wing rebounder. His biggest swing skill is definitely, without a doubt, his playmaking. In 40 career games, check this out, he has... 85 turnovers and only 55 assists. That, you know, the the decision-making and the turnovers and the playmaking and passing could determine whether he is like this off-the-bench scorer or if he's a legitimate first or second option. I think he has the skill set to be, you know, a a top-tier scorer in the NBA, but if he doesn't improve as a passer then it's, it's going to be tough for him to be a starter. He'll also need to get stronger, which will help him finish through contact, but he could also thrive in the NBA simply because there'll be more floor spacing. In just a moment, I'll round out my top 10 wing prospects for the 2021 NBA Draft. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. 
and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every bar. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. And in today's matchup, we have Caramel Brownie versus Cherry Barcia. Also, Lemon Almond Cheesecake versus Carrot Cake with Walnuts. Hmm. If I, I think I'm going to go with Caramel Brownie in the win. And then I'm going to go with a carrot cake with walnuts. Definitely got the carrot cake with walnuts going all the way to the championship. That's my opinion. But you can go to BuiltBar.com or Built underscore Bar on Twitter. Remember, use the promo LOCKEDON20 to get your 20% off the next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup. And who will become the best tasting protein bar? Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow the Locked On NBA Draft. Corey Kispert is the rare, high-level NBA prospect with four years of college experience under his belt. It's pretty much safe to say that he's this year's Cam Johnson. Now, I, I think that he would have been drafted last year if he kept his name in the draft, but he gambled on another year of improving his draft stock. And it's very likely that his gamble is going to pay off individually, but also from a team perspective. He's the leading scorer on the number one team in the nation. And dude is putting up video game created player numbers, 19 points, five rebounds and two assists per game. But listen to this. 54, 44, 89 splits. Right now he's at 89.8% from the foul line. So he's within striking distance of... The coveted 50-40-90 club, which for any basketball player, that's like the epitome of efficiency. What I like is that he has a defined role as a shooter. He should be able to come in and contribute from day one. I know there's been a lot of comparisons to Joe Harris. I think it's somewhat of a comparison because they're both white and they're both shooters, both dead-eye shooters. And Joe Harris has played a, a big role in the success of the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, playing with James Harden definitely helps. But you can also say the same for Kispert. He's had a great senior year, but you, you cannot take away the fact that Jalen Suggs has made things a little bit easier for him. But I think another comparison will be Desmond Bang. Bang was the last pick of the first round in last year's draft. He's currently averaging around 10 points a game on 45% from three, which I think his success should be beneficial for Kispers draft stock. Tennessee's Keon Johnson is one of the more intriguing prospects whose draft stock has skyrocketed and has been mentioned as a possible lottery pick. He's 
easily one of the best prospects in this draft, and I can definitely see a team gambling on his upside. He's 6'5", with a lightning quick first step. I mean, like, he literally has the blow-by speed of a point guard. Now, he's still a little raw and unpolished, but I think that he could develop in something special, and this is just how I feel. I feel like he has a nice baseline of, of skills that can be developed, and it, it's up to him. And you get him in the right developmental program, I think that he could definitely become something special. At the minimum, he plays hard. He brings a lot of energy. Now, the knock on him is his shooting. He's only shooting about 26% from deep, and he, he has a ways to go as a shooter. But if he could ever become a floor spacer i think that he could develop into a dangerous slasher by attacking the rim off straight line drives and closeouts once he gets to the rim he has the athleticism to finish above the rim make highlight plays i mean if you ever had a chance to watch him play dude is a freak athlete occasionally he shows some flashes of being a good passer but i'm really curious to see if he has more offensive tools than he's allowed to show in tennessee's offense now, this is like best case scenario, but one of the things I'm interested in seeing is if he can develop into a shot maker. I think with his speed and the threat of his first step along with his bounce, he could be a tough matchup as a stop and pop scorer since he can elevate over the top of defenders. You may think this comparison is a little crazy, but I think like the best case scenario for him is to develop into like this Zach Levine type score. I felt like Levine was just a, a really raw athlete at UCLA. I felt like he showed some skills, but he's definitely developed into obviously an all-star. But Zach Levine has a ridiculous work ethic that has played a major role in his development. But I think that Keon Johnson has some similarities, and with the right work ethic, I think that he could, again, develop into a Zach Levine-type player. Franz Wagner out of Michigan via Germany is another intriguing prospect that I think has made a strong case for the lottery this season. I had a chance to watch him play at the under-18s a couple summers ago, and I saw the skill set, but I can't say... I left there thinking that he was two to three years away from being an NBA player. He's made the jump this year, and he's been able to address one of his biggest weaknesses, which is his outside shooting. His three-point shooting, it's improved from 31 to 39% from his freshman or sophomore season. Although you'd like to see the volume increase a little bit more to get a better assessment on where he's at as a shooter, but overall it's still a nearly eight-point jump. I think that he's a consistent jumper away from being this jack-of-all-trades weapon that teams covet. Now, he already is like a jack-of-all-trades, but I just think the shooting will open up so many other things in his game. Simply because he's a 6'9 skilled combo forward, which I think he is the ideal fit for today's NBA. He can make plays out of pick and roll. He can post up smaller defenders. He can score off action plays and activities. He fills the lanes, and he can lead the break as a rebound and run threat. And he's also a switchy defender that collects a lot of, you know, the word a lot of people are using today is stocks, which is a combination of steals and blocks. And he just has this this toughness that it's like this sneaky toughness, but he's made a major impact in Michigan's success this year with his toughness and his intangibles. I definitely think that Wagner is 
a a guy that could be a, a mid first round pick, but that has a long NBA career simply because he just does a little bit of everything. Like he has a lot of tools in his toolbox. All right, rounding down my list. Um, the next few guys are guys that I think that have the potential to be selected in the first round. Zaire Williams from Stanford is a player that, now I'll be honest, I'm not as high on Zaire as others. I've seen him projected as a lottery pick. Now, I do see the talent. I see the upside, but I see more, I, I, I guess I, I just see more red flags then I see positives, and this is right now. Now, I will say this. He started off the season injured. He may not be 100% healthy, so that could play a major role. But he's averaging almost 11 points a game, four and a half rebounds, two assists. But he's only shooting 37% from the floor, 29% from three. Averages more turnovers than assists. He's averaging nearly three turnovers a game. He's just had too many games for me where he was in single digits like for example his last game against USC he only scored two points and a blowout loss only had two points against Washington State I just like I said I don't know I see the talent I see the skills and he you know at 6'8 he does have some upside as a shot creator decent handle um Maybe a pick and roll ball handler, some passing instincts. He's long, has a soft touch. But, you know, my concerns are his athleticism. Is he healthy? I feel like in order for him to, like, really be good at attacking the rim, he needs to get lower. His game is too straight up for me. I think he settles for too many jumpers and just doesn't get to the foul line. Right now, through 20 games, he's only averaging two and a half free throw attempts per game which a lot of that could be contributed to how aggressively he's going to attack the rim. So, again, I think he may be really nursing an injury. He was playing with this big, bulky brace. So that that could be the reason why that I'm not as high on him as others. Another player that I think could end up being selected late in the first round is Terrence Shannon, 6'6", high-level athlete from Texas Tech. He fits the modern-day NBA in a sense he's more so like an undersized four if I'm being totally honest gets a lot of hustle active plays is an ideal role player if he could shoot he'd be good at attacking closeouts but he's more so like an energy guy that I mean I see him playing the dunker a lot he's a good cutter crashes the offensive glass as far as like what he lacks, he's not a ball handler, not creative on the offensive end. And there could be concerns about his natural position because if he's not able to space the floor, then he becomes a liability in a sense, especially in the half court. But if he can knock down open shots, then I think there's a role for him in the NBA. But at 6'6", with his athleticism, his toughness, and just the grit that he plays with, I think that, you know, he'll be a first-round pick. But there also is a concern about Texas Tech players. I'll have to talk about that on another episode. You look at the guys from Texas Tech that were drafted in the first round, and I can't say any of them have lived up to their draft hype. So 
that could be something that could be concerning. Rounding out my last two, and one thing that both of these guys have in common, and it's Josh Christopher and Cam Thomas, buckets. <laughs> that's that's how they play. Both have a scorer's aura. Both are really high-level scorers. I think both also have some concerns about their game because they're so adamant about scoring you have to wonder like are they both suited to be like off the bench microwave scores because like for example i'll go with josh christopher aggressive in transition aggressive score aggressive shot maker has a nice floater nice isolation game he has the offensive creativity that i love he can create off the dribble I love his confidence. He's a good athlete, plays hard, quick first step, has a little bit of James Harden in him. Now, I'm a big James Harden fan, so anybody comparing to James Harden is kind of blasphemous in a sense. But I'm saying as far as like being able to create space with a crossover snatch, you can tell that he's got a little bit of Harden in his game. Maybe he studied him. They're both L.A. kids that went to Arizona State, but I think he's a ball stopper. And the question is, does he pass? For example, through the 15 games that he's played so far this season, he only has 21 assists and only 26 turnovers. So he doesn't really turn the ball over at a high rate. But I just feel like when he has the ball, it it doesn't move. He's a ball stopper. Now, as far as Cam Thomas, he is maybe a poor man's buddy Hill. I mean, if there is a way to describe him, It would be a relentless gunner, microwave score, and he scores a little bit differently than Christopher. A lot of action plays. He scores off pin downs, has a quick trigger. I mean, once he gets the ball, it's going up. He can't create his own shot. And one of the things that's really interesting about him is that you kind of put him in the box as a shooter, but he's more so of a scorer than a shooter, but he's like a shooting scorer, if that makes sense. Although... At a young age, he's mastered getting to the free throw line. He just is a bad shot taker, a negative assist to turnover ratio, not much of a ball mover. But I like his game because he is able to put the ball in the basket. But I definitely think there's a spot for him in the NBA because he's he's a bucket. And so and if you look at today's NBA, scoring is I mean, it's just such a high emphasis on scoring. I think he's a guy that it could be an acquired taste. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get drafted in the 20s, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall to, like, mid-second round. So Cam Thomas from LSU, Josh Christopher, two guys that are more so scorers that I think need to add a little bit more to their game if they want to see their draft stock rise, but I definitely see them as potential first-round picks. Well, that wraps up this edition of Locked On NBA Draft. Now, check out Locked On NBA Draft. Tomorrow, we have another host with another awesome take about the NBA Draft. Again, we have a good team of guys that just bring different perspectives, different thoughts, and different opinions on your favorite prospects. Again, this is Raphael with Locked On NBA Draft. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.